Hey, if you love God and you want to learn more about His Word, you are in the right place. Join Elijah, Drew, and I as we dig into Romans 1. You are listening to Conversations with Scripture, where we speak about the Word of God and we let His Word speak. Alrighty, welcome to the podcast. Before we dig into the word, why don't we start and just say a little bit about each of us. So I will start. My name is Jordan Blake. I am a youth pastor in the central part of Illinois in the middle of cornfields, basically, a town called Pena. My father, Jonathan Blake, is the pastor. And me and my wife, Christiana, um, are also in charge of the worship, um, specifically her, but uh, that's pretty much what we do. Um, Elijah, you want to pick up? Sure thing. So my name is Elijah Ferguson. Um, I am married to my wife, Ashley. We graduated from Indiana Bible College last year, um, bachelor's of, Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, minor in Theology. Um, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, originally and still. Um, my pastor is Jimmy Stark, Calvary Apostolic Church in Westerville, Ohio. Um, very vibrant church, great community. Uh, we love Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. I am a children's minister there at the church. I help teach the 7 to 11-year-olds. Um, big range, quite a bunch, and it's a lot of fun. So. Uh, love what we do for the Lord, and I'm excited to be a part of this podcast. Thank you, Jordan. All righty, Drew. <laughs> yeah, my name's uh, Drew Maines, and I went to IBC with these guys. We all graduated together, like they said. Um, I went and graduated with Bachelor's of Arts in Biblical Studies, minor in Communications and Media. Um, currently, I live in Seymour, Indiana. Um, I work at a Christian school as a teacher there, um, and I currently serve as a youth pastor at the church in um, Sellersburg, Indiana, called Rock of Hope, that my parents pastor, Um, and I'm also currently enrolled um, at Wesley Seminary, pursuing a master's in organizational leadership. We lost you at the end of there, but uh, we'll just run with it. (laughs) roll (laughs) yeah just go with it um was it the part where i said i wasn't married it was it was a little after that yeah i I think the lord was trying to keep you from saying something yeah 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 so um the reason that we all met as elijah and drew alluded to is we went to bible college together at indiana bible college we were all in the graduating class of 2021, and uh, I graduated with my bachelor's in biblical studies with a minor in theology, um, spent a little time with a music minor, but uh, switched over. Uh, I was also the MSA student director, which is our... Uh, our ministry groups that we send out and um, kind of dabbled in various other things. Um, Drew, in fact, he was our 
student body president our uh, senior year. I believe junior year you were the, the uh, student body vice president, correct, Drew? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Elijah was our student body or uh, class president um, junior year. That's correct. Yeah. And then he moved on up to being our student body vice president our senior year. They did a great job in their leadership roles, and they are personally, you, personally, <laughs> two of my closest friends. And in fact, um, disclaimer, this is not the first time we are recording this, but uh, yeah. because of my, my mistake on the part of my recording, we had to um, scrap the first recording because it didn't record Drew and Elijah's audio. So, um, it would have been good enough with just your audio, though, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. It would have been pretty boring, like two thirds of the time. <laughs> That's when people just take a moment to really pray and, like, you know, digest yeah. everything. And- yeah, maybe, maybe we can post that episode, anyways. Uh, but Drew and I were roommates, and I had this joke the first episode where I pulled out a mug from uh, Drew and I was drinking coffee from it. And uh, I had it because we were roommates and it just happened to come home with me. Well, um, oh my gosh. This is a different one, but this is also Drew's. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I have that one as well. So that's so funny. Um. Well, let's get started looking at the book of Romans, the first chapter. So uh, let's start off with some background information. Um, Rome, uh, this book rather, is written, as the title indicates, to the Romans, the church in Rome. And some information about Rome at the time it had somewhere between one to 4 million people. That's a big difference in my mind, but somewhere in between there, that's how many people that Rome was supposed to have at the time. Um, Mixture of Jews and Gentiles. um, In fact, Paul, who is the writer of this book, he has not been to Rome up until this point, but he is uh, writing kind of um, uh, uh, before he goes to Rome, kind of to introduce himself and and such. So um, anything else you guys found before we get into the text itself? It's kind of like a preface, right? Yeah. It was a book. Paul be writing his preface to when he gets there. Yeah. 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 Alrighty, well, I will read, um, I'll start off reading probably, I'll just read through the first seven verses. I found that that in our trial run, that worked well when we just read a section and then um, talked about our thoughts. So Romans 1, 1 through 7 reads, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God which he had promised afore 
by his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son jesus christ our lord which was made of the seed of david according to the flesh and declared to be the son of god with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what sticks out to me uh, in the beginning, that section, so we see Paul uh, is identifying his authority. Anyone could write I guess, a letter to the Romans, but what does that mean? Probably nothing if you're not someone like Paul. Paul was a, uh, talking about he how he is an apostle um, separated un, unto the gospel of God. You know, Paul was a controversial figure at this uh, time in the New Testament, uh, rather not at this time, but but before in the New Testament, we could say, because he was the one that held the, the, the Jewish leaders' robes, garments, as they stoned Stephen. And so um, he was quite the controversial figure, being that he was involved in the first martyring of uh, a Christian. But uh, we know from Acts 9, 27, Barnabas vouched for him. And so um, we see that Paul is recognized as an apostle. Um, what else? You guys have anything on that section you want to talk about? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to look at from verse two to five. Um, okay. Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. And it was really in verse five, um, kind of the, it's really a, an identity thing that we get from verse five, when it says, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. So kind of off of the back of what you said, Jordan, with Paul saying that he is an apostle. He was called to be an apostle. Um, he lived a life of murder and sin. Um, he thought he was, he was probably being righteous according to um, the Pharisees, yet was living a life of sin according to Jesus Christ. And so when it says, when he writes in verse five, that by Jesus, who was declared to be the son of God, according to the spirit of holiness, that's who he has received his grace from. Mm -hmm. So Paul right there makes a, a huge statement. Um, and we see it from Acts chapter four, that there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus Christ alone. Um, and this is not, this is, this, these, first seven verses are packed with oneness mm -hmm. but right here again we see paul 
putting another nail into the coffin um, on Trinitarianism to say it's only through Jesus that we receive grace. But he goes that second step further and talks about apostleship. It's that sense of purpose. What does he do for Jesus? It's not just what he can get from Jesus, but what he can do to partner with Christ and the work that he is doing uh, through his missions, through his writing. Uh, what would what would Christianity be without Paul's ministry mm-hmm. is a question we I think we should all should ponder. Um, so I think that's such a strong statement by whom we've received grace and apostleship. It's really the plan and the purpose for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say you receive grace for obedience. Grace, yeah. you don't receive grace for the sake of grace alone, but yeah. you receive grace to change you and form you into an obedient uh, uh, saint of God. He's talking about, and, and that's something that just stuck out to me when I was reading that. Uh, and a lot of more liturgical denominations, traditional denominations, the term saint is not used uh to describe every everyone who's a part of the church the term saint is used for someone who is set apart and and who has maybe done a miracle or who's done something really wonderful but saint is not necessarily a technical term like that saint means the anyone who's a part of the body of christ being and it means that because when you are made a part of the body you are called to be holy and uh i think that's something that maybe is lost we're the the uh, the priesthood in this new covenant it's not just the the tribe of levi anymore but it is it's everyone who is filled with the spirit we become a royal priesthood and so we have a high calling of holiness. Yeah. And the fact that the yeah. Levitical priesthood was set to such a strict set of guidelines for us to think that there's not certain things that we need to do to serve God is foolish, really. Mm-hmm. Um, to think that we don't have a list to follow, a list of rules to follow is, is going the wrong direction. Yeah, we don't get to pick and choose. No. Right. All right. There's we don't get to pick and choose. Well, Paul says also not all things or all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Not all things benefit us. Whereas we don't have necessarily the law to govern our lives like they did in, in Jewish times, because the law has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But in the same regard, we can't just live our life however we want because there are things that are not expedient to us, to our souls. And so we have to live in obedient to his word in obedience. Yeah. I would just highlight a couple, like just from these few verses and I don't want to get too ahead. Um, Cause I think Paul's going to talk about that more, but it's what Elijah mentioned in the identity Um of things and Jordan, what you touched on a little bit with the saints is that, you know, obviously Paul qualifies himself a little bit in the first few verses 
you know, and identifies what he has, what God has called him to do. And then also brings identity, like Elijah was talking about, to who he's writing to. Um, you know, he's called to be an apostle, but they are called by Jesus Christ and called to be saints. And so I think you touched on that really well, Jordan, with what that means for them and what that can mean for people today, too. You know, yeah, not everybody's might not be called, you know, to be a preacher, an evangelist, a teacher, a worship leader or whatever you want to say. But we all have as believers, as people who are desiring Christ in our lives, we all have a calling. We all have a responsibility, right. a standard that God has given us and that Paul writes about. Um, so I think that's really important for us for anybody who's reading this to take away is that yes, Paul's writing to them, but it, it, it carries over to us today, you know, that you might, you, somebody might say, well, I'm not called to, you can call it platform ministry, but you know, most of ministry happens outside of the platform, but I'm not called to those things. Um, and maybe that's true, but you still have a, a responsibility. Right. You know, like you were talking about that word saint, you, you still have a responsibility to live a separated life. You still have a responsibility to reach people with the gospel. And I think Paul is qualifying that here. You know, he he qualifies them and, you know, gives them that identity like Elijah also mentioned. But I, yeah. I just thought that was an important thing for us to understand. Yeah, I don't see. There's, there's nowhere in scripture that I know of where we are, where it says we are called out just to be called out. Yeah. But we are called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We're called out of something, but also called into something. Right. And so I think that's a very strong biblical principle that everywhere you see that you are pardon that I need to get some more <laughs> sticky stuff. Um, whenever you are scared me for a second, whenever you are called out of something, you're not just, um, you don't live the same way, but there's a change that happens. And a lot of Christianity, I, I think today, does not recognize that there is a a real burden upon the believer to actively live out and bear fruit in their life unlike the rest of the world is doing but we have to do more yeah. and uh, live at a higher standard i think it's validated too right everything you all are saying right there in verse five for obedience to the faith with who, where, what's, where are you acting on your obedience to the faith among all nations? Yeah. It's that sense of going, yeah. that sense of being called to something. It's, mm. it's supposed to be among all the nations to every single person right in the world. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about something that we talked about last time a little bit being uh, the term of the son of God. And this is an important uh, key thing in the life of a oneness 
apostolic in the life of any Christian, but we have to be careful in how we define the son of God as apostolics, because it differentiates what from uh, mainstream Christianity, what they would say. So we would say that the son of God, who we know was conceived by the Holy Spirit, is God uh, manifest in human form. God who is not isolated to one body at one time, but the God who is ever present. He decided that he would exist particularly in the Christophany is a technical term, but the incarnation of his fullness, the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of deity in this, this human form. And you see, we have a, an issue if we believe that God the Father is the Father, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit is the, the person, the, the third person in, in the Godhead, who decided that he would conceive, maybe not decided, but he was the one that actually conceived Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is is the father. And so that proves the point of oneness being that they are all one. You can't separate them out necessarily in, in the, the form of persons. There are different titles for the same God, different functions maybe for the same God, but not different persons. So either of you want to say anything about that? I think it's well said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's. I think you. Good. There's no reason why a God who is powerful couldn't be both the one who created him and the one who is in time. Like, there's no reason why he can't be creator and also the the incarnation because he's. He's powerful. And it's a mystery to us in a sense, because that's what the, that's what the Bible says. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's a mystery to us because our minds are limited. And, and sometimes it is kind of mind boggling how God could be the son and could be the father, both full, fully man and fully God, but it was the reality of who he is. And we believe that the Bible clearly illustrates that he is one yeah that yeah. reminds me of something that i i heard um this is not my own thought but a lot of the time <clears throat> trinitarians will use um the creation story to kind of back up their claim when it says that god created man in his image you know, you can for, forget the, you know, let's create man in our image, the the kind of the royal we, we can flesh that out another time. But what is God's image? When God created humanity, it wasn't, uh, his image was not the bodily form. And excuse me one. 
bless the Lord. It, it was not the <laughs> bodily form that was necessarily the image of God um, in its entirety. Yeah. The image of God was the fact that he was creating a immortal soul. God is a spirit. God is immortal. So when he created man to be in his image, it was the soul of man that he created in that moment, which he then formed a body around the, the, thought that God was looking at Jesus as his um, example on how to create humanity with an eternal son, it, it just doesn't line up. And here in Romans, we see those things coming to light again. Um, but there's even from the beginning, you talk about a creator, you talk about um, how powerful God is. Um, there's, there's no place for three. There's only one. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, let's move on to the next section. Um, whoever wants to can take that. Sure. I'm going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you said, so we stopped at verse seven, right? Yeah, you can you can read that whole next section to eight through fifteen, or you can split it up, or whatever you want. Okay. All right. Um, so verse eight there in Romans chapter one starts. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. I may make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests. If by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end. ye may be established that it is, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was left hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, I guess I'll just finish there. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as, is writ as, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Sorry, I went a little far there. That's okay. I think it goes together well. Yep. So talk about that for a second. Uh, yeah, I mean, these verses to me are... Um, Obviously, we talk about Romans 116. People talk about that verse all the time, um, which we, we'll get there. But, um, you know, Paul's talking about his desire to go to Rome. Paul's talking about, you know, he why he hasn't been there. Um, and, you know, tells him, don't be ignorant. Like, I, I want to come there, but, you know, I want to come there in the right time. I want there to be spiritual fruit. Um, I want it to be in God's plan and God's will. Um, 
and maybe you guys have some other verses that stuck out to you from this section. But to me, um, especially in verse 14, where he says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Um, and Paul talks about this, I think, in almost every single epistle, but that there is no there is no qualification. When I say qualification, I mean everyone is qualified to be reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think when he says, of talking about himself, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, the wise and the unwise, saying, I am, I, it is my duty. It is my God-given purpose. It is my calling to reach all of these people. So not, not just, you know, not just the wise, not just the Greeks, not just the philosophers, but also the barbarians, the unwise. I'm indebted, I'm indebted to them all. I'm a debtor to them all in Christ to share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's, you know, we're talking about the first church, one of the first missionaries, you know, the the foundation of who we are, what we, what we believe in from that foundation. What does Paul say? It's our responsibility to reach everybody. Yeah. It goes, um, it goes, so that, uh, yeah. It goes beyond the boundaries of culture, right? Because yeah. right. he was, you see, he was a Pharisee in training. He was brought up in that strict uh, legalistic Jewish setting. But he said that he's become all things to all men that he might win some. And so he's yeah. decided that despite all the, the things of culture that might set him back um, and cause him to be unable to, to minister to someone. He set that aside so that he can be the light that shines. Um, And I think that's, that's a really powerful thing. We gotta, we gotta challenge ourselves to not let our, our cultural, uh, things that are man-made and i think there are great things about culture especially in the west i yeah love being a part of a country that is founded on western principles but at the end of the day sometimes we have to set those things aside and not make those the first thing so that we can reach out and touch someone's life and i think that's what what Paul is saying here that both the barbarian and the Greek, the, the, the Greeks were so concerned with wisdom and knowledge and philosophy. And they were so, uh, whatever, uh, educated. The barbarians didn't care about anything like that, but he tried his best to do what he could to present the gospel in a way that could reach the Greeks and also could reach the unlearned, learned uh, barbarians. I think that's our challenge uh, today. We got, especially in America, we've got places where, especially like the East coast where it's really high education, but then we've got places like 
rural Midwest where that's the opposite and we want to do what we want. We want to, we want to grow some food and that's all we want to do. And so we have a challenge in presenting that in, in the way that our area is going to receive. Yeah. I think that is a really interesting point, Jordan, that you have to reach, you have to reach who you're around. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes maybe this was my challenge. So let me speak personally, I suppose, for a minute. I think maybe my challenge might have been, all right, I am a Bible college graduate. I am I, I'm educated to a point. You know, I only have a bachelor's degree. There's folks that have enough time to have 20 bachelor's degrees under their belt. Um, but to think that I could go out into um, Columbus is a, is a big city. And there's very educated people there, but you go 20 miles in any direction and you're in the middle of farm farmland. So to have to reach very educated individuals, um, all the way to the other side of the spectrum, um, to good folks that they might've gotten their high school diploma. And that's, that's it. That's nothing to say that they're, they're lesser in any way. Mm -hmm. But to be able to change your approach, um, not necessarily changing who you are, but changing the approach. Yeah. Is, uh, I really love that point. Not changing the message either. Right. But changing the way you present it to be um, more transformative in the life of who you're, who you're speaking to. Absolutely. Um, yeah. One other thing in that section, and I think that we can move on to talk a little bit about 16 and 17, but um, one thing I want to hit on is I believe Paul is giving a very strong argument for the power of coming together in worship. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, uh, uh, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end. You may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And so that just gives me a really strong uh, idea that church is important when we gather together in fellowship and uh, worship to God, things can happen that are really amazing and our faith is lifted. There's hardly, I could not think of any time where just simply gathering together with people of like-minded faith has built me up. Like it always does. And so um, even more so when you're in the house of God, praising and glorifying God, that opens up for the presence of God to come in and, and minister. And uh, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Somebody want to take this next little chunk and finish up this episode with talking about that. Yeah, I can take it. 
So I'll start then at verse 16 here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I know that Drew this is like Drew Drew read this uh, a minute ago, but I just wanted to for us to come back and and hit on this because yeah. this is such a powerful couple verses. And you know, I was about to say like this verse is probably one of the most quoted verses of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and. I don't know if there's just a little too much cynic in me, but it's almost like this verse has been chewed up and spit out by anyone who would call themselves a Christian when really they are the most ashamed of, of people to live uh, for Christ. It is, um, it's interesting to see that people will quote this verse and excuse me if it, this is a little too much. They'll quote this verse and they won't have an ounce of holiness in their life. They won't, uh, they won't talk to you about Jesus. They may mention his name occasionally, most of the time, probably in vain. Um, and they don't live a life that, truly shows that they are willing to sacrifice. Um, I thought about this probably two years ago. Um, and it, it really gripped me. I, I wonder whether it was uh, maybe a spirit of fear trying to attach itself or if the Lord was challenging me. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but I was gripped by the thought of dying for the name of Christ. Um, would I actually die for it? Would I be willing to take any sort of um, wrath of man, I guess, any torture for the name of Christ? Am I, am I really not ashamed? Because that would be the true, uh, truest, I guess, because there's many true things about that. But the truest definition of, of not being ashamed would be to die for it. Um, and I think we'd be surprised how many yeah. uh, among us would would not die. Um, they would make an excuse. They would say, well, I'm going to deny Christ now, but it's just so that I can live my life and um, do a few more things for the Lord in my life. Well, but what if that was when God wanted to take you? I mean, it's it sounds a little blunt, but if your death was to... Uh, shine a, a greater light on Christ, would you be willing to die to see others saved? Um, I think every single person should say yes. Will every person die for Christ? No, absolutely not. So it's, it, this verse, it, it comes with so much power, um, so much encouragement. But in today's society, when there's so many fake Christians, I just can't help but think and be challenged by it to take yeah. more of the uh, 
the cynical route and say, am I, am I truly not ashamed? Yeah. This has to be a challenging verse. If it's not challenging, then we're probably ashamed and we probably don't know it. Yeah. It's a high calling to live for God and deny all of your desires in order to, uh, in order to serve him, serve the high calling of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if this passage doesn't just stir up our soul and make us wonder, am I willing, am I ashamed, then there's a good chance that something has, has crept into your heart that has uh, made it to where you are not allowing yourself something is not allowing yourself to be challenged Um, it's an easy verse to hide behind that's for sure yeah you can say you're not ashamed but so many would be ashamed and it's a challenge to to each and every one of us drew you want to say anything on that and uh anything encouraging your your screen (laughs) is a little sideways so my screen messed up yeah i tried all right um, yeah, on those verses, you know, I think what Elijah was saying was, was very true because I think that people do quote that all the time, but I think they leave out the the rest of what that verse says too. You know, I think because it qualifies itself, it says, you know, verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith that is written, the just shall live by faith. And also that the rest of that verse 16 says, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it to the Jew first and the Greek. Well, we have to ask ourselves, what does salvation look like biblically? What does, you know, the just shall faith? what does that mean? What does faith mean biblically? And so if we know salvation in the Bible, it's repent to be baptized in Jesus' name, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to bear the fruit of the Spirit in your life, that um, the just shall live by faith. We're going to be called just, the called out, the separated, right? We're going to live by faith. We're going to trust that, you know, God has it all in control. If that's how we're going to live, and that should, if that's how we want to live, we're going to live by what that verse says, then, yeah, that should be reflecting not just in words, but interactions in our lifestyles. But I also think it's a really beautiful thing that Paul's the one saying this, because like we highlighted earlier, you know, Paul, who was he before he was a missionary? Who was he before he was Paul? He was Saul and he was persecuting Christians. He was killing those who professed to be Christians, right? Then what do we see happen in his life? Well, it's exactly what Paul talks about, that power of salvation right? His life is turned around. His life is flipped. And now he's the one proclaiming, I will not be ashamed. Yeah. Right. Paul's the one who eventually, you know, he ends up in prison and he ends up dying and all these things. But you know, that, that, that it's kind of flipped, right? He goes from persecuting Christians to be the one sometimes, and I'm not saying this is any kind of like, you know, karma or whatever you want to call it. Cause we, we don't talk about that. I'm just saying that, he goes from being 
from persecuting Christians to at times being persecuted. But what does he say? He says, I will not be ashamed. Yeah. I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so since I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm going to proclaim it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to live like I should be living. I'm going to believe that God has all in control, you know? Yeah. And so I'm going to believe that God has all in control. And so through that, you know, I think we see what, what's really being talked about here, not just professing with your mouth that you're not ashamed of the gospel, but living it out but, with your yeah. lifestyle. That no matter, no matter what situation comes, no matter what the storm, where the storms of life take me, I will not be ashamed of the gospel. And I'll yeah. let that reflect in my life. Yeah. Cause we have to, we have to walk by faith. It's not just uh, a profession, although it is a profession but it is a matter of walking and living in faith and kind of to bring together what Drew was saying, what Elijah was saying. It reminds me of, of what I referenced last time we had this conversation, the three Hebrew boys with the, 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 Nebuchadnezzar had told them that they must bow. And when they were not ashamed and when they did not bow and when they were thrown in the fire, that is the moment when the fourth person in the fire was seen. And so when we decide that we are not going to be ashamed, no matter what comes, we know that God gets glory that no matter what is happening, no matter how terrible the situation seems, if we're doing it for the glory of God, he is going to be seen. Amen. <laughs> yeah.